Hello and welcome to End All Shall Be Well. My name is Megan Rohr and I am your host. Today's conversation is about how we as people shift and change over time, how our methods of working for justice and care in the world might shift over time. And my guest, Dr. Jerry, who is one of my most beloved people in the world, is joining me and is someone that I hope you will connect with after this. Uh, there, If you listen long enough, we'll find out that there is a secret way you can reach out to them and show them love and care, even if you don't even know them. And I hope you will try it. Uh, but today's conversation really is for people who have been told that the world is hard, the world is divided, and that coming together and looking for solutions, being community is much harder uh, than probably something that you'll be able to accomplish in your lifetime. This conversation is grounded in in ways that you can move forward and grow in your, your own personal heart and heal from discrimination that you have experienced or from the ways that maybe you haven't understood that your behaviors and actions hurt other people. It's a growth centered conversation, not one that is based on shaming or trying to tell people that they're wrong. And even though Dr. Jerry is very highly educated and understands things at a, a in a very intellectual way, um, one of my favorite things about her is that she is interested in helping everyday people kind of understand ways that they can feel well, uh, develop love, and express that for other people in the world. And and I find that the conversation is very refreshing because of her interest in making it something that's accessible to everyone. Jerry uses aloha as the way of expressing some of this work. And given her, her space and place and ancestral connections to Hawaii, this is a very natural way of her communicating and being in the world and something that I think more people would benefit from if they knew more about it. So take a listen. I'm Dr. Jerry Balarosa Tanel, and I am the CEO and founder of Coltry Consulting. What intersections that you embody would you like to share publicly at this time? And how do those intersections shape who you are and how you are in this world? I'm a Pacific Islander woman um, presenting as this brown indigenous individual, but also holding the DNA European as well, too. So in my intersections, I have the colonizer and the colonized, which I struggle with on a daily basis because I know who I am. So I'm a grandmother, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, and a lifelong student. That's enough intersections, I think. As you carry these intersections, would you be willing to tell people a little bit about some of the work that you do in the world? Because you do a lot of wonderful things to help other people name their intersections and to respect people from really diverse spaces. Would you be willing to just share a little bit about that? Yeah. In the beginning, it didn't start that way. Which I didn't understand what my intersections were. The work that I do in diversity, equity, and inclusion 
always came from this place where I would speak about the colonizer and not in a very, not in a very good way. Pretty much I changed my language from white people to colonizer to now I just say people of European descent. But as I was going through my, as I, as I was going through my research and my doctoral um, dissertation, I um, started to really figure out, or I, I wanted to dig deep into who I was as an individual. What was my identity? What, are, what were my intersections? And during that time, there was a lot of stuff still going on in the world. And I came across the idea of going back home to Hawaii and trying to start there. And when I went back home to Hawaii, I realized that's not where my story starts. For me, being here, that's where it is. But my legacy, the stories of my grandparents, it goes back way, way back. And my grandfathers are from the Philippines, from Bohol, Philippines, and from Cebu, and moved to Hawaii and worked in the cane fields. And I wanted to figure out what happened before that. And so as I was going through my research, I found that in the Philippines, the uh, Spaniards colonized the Philippines for over three, four hundred years. And I never thought, this is going to sound a little funny, but I never thought that Spanish and Portuguese was actually European. I don't know what I thought, <laughs> but I never thought that it was European. And as I started to do my research and I found that, oh my goodness, I have both the colonizer and the colonized. I needed to change the way that I was talking about identity and talking about structures of racism and oppression. I used to look outside and tell people that it's, I can't go back to Hawaii because of white people and white people privileged from this and white you know, people privileged from that. And having people feel really ashamed of how they racially identified to the point where people would not, if they were of, of mixed ethnicity, they would name their ethnicity that is furthest from how they're actually presenting. And my grandson, who's also mixed, he heard me talking about people of European descent in a way that was very negative. And my husband, who is a man of European descent, he, he asked me, my grandson asked me one day if I loved his papa. And I'm like, yeah, why? And he said, because I hear you say things about people that look like papa and they're not very nice. And if that's my papa and I am part of him, then Jima, which part of me do you not love? And at that point, I realized that I can't ask anybody to remove part of who they are in identity and to be able to embrace it because I didn't want my grandson to end up in a place where he needed to choose on who he was as an individual, denying everything and everyone of his ancestors. So that's how I uh, came into this place of acknowledging the fact that I am both the colonizer and the colonized. Well, one of the things that I love of you, about you, which is many things that would take too many podcasts to describe, but so one of them is my experience of you is that you encourage people to discover who their ancestors are, to honor your own ancestors, and then try to love yourself enough 
that you don't have to disparage others and their ancestors, right? That if you can love your ancestors truly, you yes. can find ways to connect with others and to love the way they love their ancestors. And is that a good way of describing sort of your philosophy of how people can come into their own education as they're um, doing all they can to sort of tread lighter maybe in the world than they did before they knew what they knew? Yeah. And then also need to acknowledge too, that sometimes people don't know who their ancestors are. And I, I have to acknowledge that I have the privilege of understanding and knowing and following my lineage all the way back. But yes, to the place where I feel that if we can love our ancestors and find forgiveness and grace, we're not responsible. My husband always says that we're not responsible for what are as the acts of our ancestors, but we are accountable to what we've inherited. Being able to hold that in a place where there is grace and forgiveness, we can heal a lot of trauma. And I feel a lot of things that has happened in the past. When I'm able to connect with my ancestors and I can find forgiveness and grace for what has happened the generations back, then I can start to heal whatever epigenetic code that exists within me so that way I don't pass it on to the next generation. So by loving yourself, loving the ancestors, it can actually heal seven generations and that's a lot. So how do we do it? How do we, what are some of the ways that you personally seek wellness and how have, how does that he healing happen? Cause I think there's a deep yearning for healing, right? There, there is, there, there is. I think for me, it's reconnecting, it's reconnecting back to nature. That is one of the things that really grounds me in, in knowing where I am, who I am. And it, it helps a lot with not feeling like I am the center. I shouldn't say that. Let me try to explain it this way. When I go out and I, I connect with nature, I realize how much I am loved. I realize how much I am cared for. And sometimes I can find myself so caught up in my mind and the pain that I've actually endured, it's hard to break out of. And I think the way that we do it is we have to be able to talk with each other. It's like we have to be able to create the spaces where we can actually um, share what is our, on our heart, what's on our mind, and be able to work with each other collectively and collaboratively to find this space of healing. I can't heal alone. I have to heal with other people. And I hope that makes sense. So being outside, being connected, being part of a community, I think that's what we have to do. I was hoping that you would, because you're this very passionate person of, who spends a lot of time listening to other people, in a very like generous and, and empathetic way. I was secretly hoping you'd be like chocolate, eat more chocolate. Eat chocolate while you talk. Yeah. While you hike in the, in the wilderness. It's, but this was all something that I had to learn how to do. 
Yeah. And when I connected back with nature, I keep telling you, remember that fox that came up? Yes. <laughs> Being out with nature, it's, I feel that the universe conspires with what you need. And it's a reciprocal relationship. And it's like when we're in this uh, symbiotic relationship with nature, we can do that with others. I just feel that sometimes when we're not in this place to be able to actually be ready to be in this deep relationship with others, we get so caught up with our bias and our prejudice and our discriminatory ways that we start seeing each other as the other when we shouldn't. We're like, we're human beings and we should be able to care for one another that way. Yeah, I feel like no matter the like nastiness or weirdness that's going on in the world, if any human being on this planet sent you a video of the ocean, they would be your best friend. No question. Is that accurate? If after this podcast, people start sending you just random videos of the ocean, will you be mad? Nope. It's a bonus if it's a sunrise or a sunset. Okay. But I think like sometimes when people are thinking about what is wellness or what is anti-oppression work or anti-racism work, we think of all of these very intricate projects and strategic plans and things that are going to just take lots of work. Yes, we can heal seven generations back, but healing seven generations forward is a ton of work and intention and coming together as community and checking in over and over. And sometimes we ignore those sort of like larger spaces where wellness can just like unite us, no questions asked. And so I just think that there are these bigger things that are easier and we forget that we accomplish something that we're doing a wellness healing activity just because it's easy, right? I think one of the things that I am, that I find myself guilty of, and, and it's not part of my wellness plan, is I don't know how to slow down sometimes. I don't know how to take downtime because I feel like there's just so much to do in the world and I need to, I want to make an impact, right? It's, it's that's what I want to do. And it's, I just keep going and going that at the end of the week, I just find myself absolutely exhausted. And I'm like, wait, there's got to be things that I can do in between. So I started to take downtime. And my downtime is I go to Pilates in the morning. <laughs> of course you do. I go to Pilates in the morning and I try to go at least five times a week. And it's, it just makes me feel, it makes me feel a lot better. I get, I start my work in this place of clarity. And I'm intentional. I'm intentional. Whereas if it's five o'clock, it's that's it. I'm going to shut things down because my self-care and my wellness is also about my family and my husband. And if I'm in my office from eight o'clock to five at six, seven o'clock while he's making dinner, he wants to be, we should be together. And we need that time. We need that downtime together. And so I've been really intentional about what I'm doing, how much can I do, and not, not take on so much stress. But society has made it to where the longer you work, the harder you work, the better and more successful you are. Not realizing that if you are, if you're pushing and pushing, you're no good. You're no good to anyone and you're no good to your organization. But then organizations, there's a lot of organizations like, all right, well, that person's burned out. Let's 
put them out and bring it in the So we've got some things to change. I recall a, a period, and this is all public information because there's an entire YouTube series about it, <laughs> where it literally was your job to be completing this doctoral dissertation. And you were like, I can't just sit and think that's selfish. So I'm going to build the world's largest garden. And you were like, I want to connect with my husband. I want to be in community while I'm doing this thinking. And you're like, but I'm going to shovel and I'm going to build. And your beloved is also a building person. So you yeah. did get to spend time together, but it was very interesting to watch. I don't know if you did. I don't know if you expressed it entirely as I feel guilty for having the privilege to ponder. But you like transformed it into I also need to be doing a thing. And yay, it was all wellness related. Like you got to see nature. You got to mm -hmm. improve the backyard. You got to spend time with the person you love. But it was from an outside observer, beautiful to watch how sometimes our own feeling like wellness is selfish or like doing our purpose is selfish to see the need to have to be doing like 80 things at once right. to show that our existing in the world is purposeful. And so I just, I'm naming that because I think your call for us to maybe do less if we're people who need to overperform is in fact true wellness, right? And when you screw it up and you can't even take your own advice, like you made something well and beautiful out of that too. I just think it's fantastic. I try. I, I try. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that before. And I think that's how I developed the guiding principles of Aloha. Right. It's, it's how we communicate with each other and not just with each other. It's about ourselves as well, too. And so when we ask A's to ask and listen, it's not just asking people that is outside of you, but asking yourself. And are you really listening to what your body say? Right. And then the O is to observe what's happening around you. Right. Is observe what's happening within your body. And it's like. Sometimes we can find ourselves, and I know I've been there where I'm so stressed out that there is just cortisol that's just dumping through my system, where I find myself feeling sick. And it's like I have a, lo a lower immune system and all of these things. And, but yet we don't talk about stress the way that we should. We don't talk about the trauma. We don't talk about how when our somatic response is activated that we can't heal in that place. And so really observing what is happening to your body and then the impact that you have with other people as well, observing how they're going through whatever you're passing out to them. And then always the OH is always to come from this place of being heart focused, a place that, that where aloha resides, where we can actually return when we find ourselves disconnected. And then the, the final A in Aloha is to adapt and acknowledge that sometimes we fall and it's okay to fall. And when we see other, we know how to feel. We know, I know how it feels to fall, to fail, to not succeed. And it's not good. And so when I see someone else going through that, is having the grace to put your hand out and be like, you know what? I got you, bro. I got you, sis. Let's make this happen together. And just being able to acknowledge that we are, we're all starting from 
different places. But I think the ultimate goal is if we want this world to heal, then acknowledging that we all need to heal first. Yeah. You're, you have a, a lot of wisdom as a self-described grandmother, right? Because <laughs> you don't, and I say it that way because you are someone who, unless you tell me you're a grandmother, I'm never going to guess that in a million years because you have young, vibrant, like Hello. personality. You have young, vibrant ways of being in the world. You have the flawless skin of, <laughs> of a 30 year old or whatever 30 year olds look like these days. Right. But I think that my experience is that you can't tell who's a veteran from the outside of their mm-hmm. body. Unless right. they have the go into boot camp haircut. <clears throat> you can't tell who's got a doctorate at the grocery store unless they're like wearing their patches or their professor t-shirt. You can't tell a lot of the different intersections that people carry except for race, which you can guess what the combinations of people's ancestries are, but you can't know all of it. You can't know the whole journey story. I'm not someone, I'm someone who comes from fully Europeanness, Switzerland and Norway and a little bit of Basque, but I only learned that because of ancestry genealogy DNA. And so I, I wonder if there is any sort of like, advice that you have in these tough times for people who live in the world with brown skin or with the, who are carrying just all the ways that racism becomes political. They're carrying all of the, the decolonization um, that is generational. Is there any particular type of wellness that you can recommend for someone who's just sick of it, all that they have to carry and all they have to teach people in these days. Is there any anything particular that you would want to share wi- wisdom on for folk? Yeah, I think I would say start small. That's the first thing is to start small. Sometimes we feel like we've got to do everything all at once. I would say be in community with people that you trust and you're able to open up and what's like a Open up that pl- that part that is wounded and have other one, have other people, their energy become medicine for you. The read books, let's go for a walk in nature, be alone. Be, it's okay to be alone. Sometimes it's scary to be alone. But I think when we're in this place of the void, this place of introspection, this place of where you're sitting with everything is to embrace it, lean into it, love it, love yourself. Yeah. And then just, yeah, embrace the opportunities. Don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. That's where it flies. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that because my kids are about to be teenagers. I'm going to just say, go talk to Grandma Jerry. And she's going to help you <laughs> navigate all that is hard that I don't have the wisdom for. <laughs> but I, you know what I'm really curious about? Because you talked about where you are with your intersections as here's where I am now. If you had to like overgeneralize, how do you think you would describe yourself in different decades of your life? Because I got to imagine Dr. Jerry as the burn it all down protest person, like Dr. Jerry as the, I don't know, what, how would you describe it? Because 
we all have different seasons of how we deal with what we've been dealt. Yeah. 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 I used to be the Dr. Jerry that would want to like burn things down. But that was probably about five years ago where I maybe even 10 years ago where I would be like, yeah, burn the shit down. Everything needs to go. But not thinking that within that burning down that there'll still be harm that I would be putting onto people and I didn't want to do that is I can't be walking in and changing things with grenades and saying, we're going to change this right now where I'm going to end up hurting people. So I think I'm the, today I'm the Dr. Jerry that wants to utilize the power of aloha as the medicine for our society to heal, to be that salve, that balm that can actually help bring our community, our whole entire society in this place where we're caring for one another. Before, I was just that brown, pudgy girl in Hawaii, <laughs> walking barefooted on the beach. <laughs> There's so many different things. In fact, I'm in the process of finishing up my book on the evolution of Aloha, where I actually talk about the different seasons of my life. From the time that I was born to everything in my teenage years and just a transformation and the evolution that I went through to get to this place. Because people will see me like if when I'm out and I'm doing presentations and I'm doing professional development training, people don't just know me for the Dr. Jerry that they see in front of them. And as I have to tell them, it's like, all right, youth, you, I, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. And which I, I acknowledge that and they're like, you're so great. Da, 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 da. And they have this narrative of who I am without knowing who I really was and where I come from. Like you were saying, no one knows that I'm a, I have a PhD when I'm in a grocery store. No one knows that I served in the military, right? As no one knows these things unless I say so. No one knows that I was, I was a person. I was a rebel. I was a rebel without a cause causing trouble all the time, pushing boundaries. I still push boundaries. I still do those things, but I do it in a way where it's like, all right, how can we do things differently? How can we see things differently? And so I'm still pissing off people just in a different way now. <laughs> Not me though, because I, I love you and you know that there are so many people for whom you are the beloved auntie for, right? And you carry them with you in such magnanimous ways. And I hope that there are folk who will not only send you some ocean pictures, but also connect with you. You, you do consultancy stuff regularly. There might be someone who's, I want to talk to Dr. Jerry Moore. What's the best way for them to connect with you? They can email me at uh, jerry, G-E-R-Y, at co3, C-O, the number three consulting.net. I'm also on social media as well too. So that's my Instagram up there under my name. And anyway, it's like a LinkedIn as well too. There's many ways that you can find me and I would love the opportunity to speak with people. The more people that understand and know and share Aloha, it will be like exactly what Auntie Palahi Paki said, that when the world seeks world peace, they will look to Hawaii. Because Hawaii has a key and that key is aloha. And so my goal is to share aloha with others so then that way they can share within their community. And we can heal this world. Heal the world.
Exactly. Nate had a better plate. Yeah, I got to cut out that part. We can't afford that song. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my conversation with Dr. Jerry. I hope if you enjoyed it, you will like and subscribe, maybe uh, review and, and leave some stars or whatever the way of indicating that you liked this conversation is on the platform that you are using. I'm super grateful for everyone who has been able to show us a little bit of love and say thanks for these conversations. It's really motivated me to continue on with them. And I hope that you are as getting as much out of them as I am in sharing these conversations. If you are particularly interested in supporting and helping conversations like these happen in the future, consider uh, becoming a Patreon using the link below in the description and supporting some of this important work. Or, you know, check out some of the the social media that I'm posting at M-M-R-O-H-R-E-R online, and I can send you some love and joy a little bit each day to help you keep going in a place like this. Whether you take the advice given today by Dr. Jerry or not, all will be well. At least we'll keep moving forward into a new season of whatever is becoming in the world. My hope is that there is a piece that you connected to that will help you understand yourself a little bit more better or understand folk in your world a little bit more better. And if it helps you move forward with compassion, kindness, or empathy into the future, it will be a wonderful gift, not only for you, but for all you encounter in your communities. I am rooting for you. I love you. And I hope you have a wonderful week out there. Take care.